We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, September 9th, 2016. My name is DJ Trainer. You can find me on Twitter at TrainerDJ. I'm joined this Friday by Ken K Train Kreitz. <coughs> you can find Ken on Twitter at Ken Kreitz. Oh man, does it feel good to hear that whistle, Ken? <laughs> Bring in the K Train, baby. <laughs> happy to be back. Happy to be back on the air. Excited to be co hosting. With my one of my favorites, DJ Trainer today. Oh yeah, it it feels very very good to be back. In general, still very much the NBA off season. I know some teams and their players have reported back to camp. I think the Lakers and the Mavericks are currently building their new practice facilities. So that's about all you see on the NBA Twitter wire these days. <laughs> However, uh, we're we're doing this pod today, Ken, because you've been pumping out these position battle articles for the website and let's just go ahead and talk about the east all the east um divisions have been uh published on the website so we'll go over them i think maybe next friday we'll come back and do the western conference but let's Mm -hmm. let's not waste any time and just jump into it ken although i will say um you know what's the impetus for doing these articles and maybe how long have you been doing them this is year three we had a pause last year as we are the editorial team was in shift last year but uh this is the third year I've done it. It's my favorite way to prepare for the season, to just check out all the roster changes and really focus on the stuff that's kind of more up in the air because uh, that, that's where your, your opportunities sort of lie. And, you know, I know how much people are dying for fantasy basketball news as we head into week one of the NFL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about my NFL writing when the editors are like, eh, why don't you crank out some basketball stuff? <laughs> the, the, the NFL preseason is not big for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk NBA 365 with you, Ken. Thank let's you. let's start yeah. with the nobody knows the divisions that well. So I'll, I'll uh, be yeah. very clear about what the divisions are. We're going to start with the Southeast division, which is the Hawks, Hornets, Heat, Magic and 
Wizards. And so, of course, we might as well start with the Hawks. A little bit of transition for them, of course. They have Al Horford leaving, Dwight Howard coming in. Still seems like somewhat of a lackluster Hawks roster altogether. I will say, though, the the major position battle, Ken, that we'll probably detail is at shooting guard. Kyle Korver, Tim Hardaway, Tabo Cephalosha. All those guys could see time on the court. You know, Korver has been a staple at shooting guard for them. Yeah. Uh, Bazemore is going to line up at small forward, but I, I can definitely see maybe Hardaway if he if he stay, if he takes a step up, or Cephalosha if they need a solid defensive presence stepping in for Korver at that shooting guard spot. I, I think every day they wheel out thirty-five-year-old Kyle Korver. They're going to wish they had made a trade deadline deal in February uh, instead of holding on to Teague and Horford letting Horford walk for nothing. I know they thought they could keep him, but boy, hindsight 2020, this roster could have desperately used a little more injection of life uh, last February. Yeah, that no doubt about that. Yeah, one thing, of course, I failed to mention, Teague is gone. Dennis Schroeder is going to step up. I really don't think that Schroeder is going to play any better than Teague has ever played in the past, especially uh, from a fantasy perspective. So, I mean, just basically look at Teague's stats and assume that that's, you know, kind of the higher end of what Schroeder's going to do. I really have no reason yeah. to believe. I mean, if Schroeder had been better this whole time, then they would have started him over Teague. Oh, yeah. And frankly, that hair bothers me. I can't root for that hair. <laughs> Don't like the bleached <laughs> spot in the front. I'm huh? not a fan. Off-center not a fan. bleached spot. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, no. at shooting guard, though, I mean, you're right. I think they're going to start Corver, 35 years old is coming off not a great season. Of course, two seasons ago, he was just on fire and for whatever reason, you know, revitalized his career. But last year, nine points, only gave you two three-pointers per game. Now, I I know that's like, you know, way above average, way above league average. But, I mean, in comparison to the three that he was giving you the year before, was where he was just value, valuable enough just as a three-point shooter, last year you really had to take a hard pause and wonder, you know, is it worth – uh, an entire roster spot where he's not going to really mm-hmm. help me that much in the other categories. Corver, you know, has been living off his name, fame in drafts and auctions this year. So many other sources for cheap threes. I overpaid for Corver last year, hoping there was one more year before the decline, but the decline is in. I'm kind of surprised that Hardaway, frankly, hasn't gotten more minutes. His minutes have actually declined in Atlanta versus his two years in New York. And he was, you know, he, you know, two years ago, Hardaway banged 1.7 threes himself a, a game. Uh, he certainly, I, I guess at 24, it's a little too early to write him off. Uh, I think the Hawks would like it if uh, he could take some of the burden off Corver. Um, so I think I'm going to lean on maybe a cheap flyer on Tim Hardaway versus investing in the more expensive Corver this year. Yeah, we're kind of waiting for Hardaway to take that next step. I will say, while you mentioned, Ken, um, you know, that his minutes have gone down in Atlanta, that New York Knicks team that he was on those two years, 2013 through 2015. Pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. So those, yeah. Those, those numbers are somewhat <laughs> inflated, especially those threes, I will say, you know, maybe one three per game, somewhere in between one and 1.5, depending on how many minutes he gets is probably what you can expect from him. In Atlanta this year, just because that Knicks team, I mean, do whatever you want, basically. They didn't have any, you know, they, it was just a free-for-all anarchy there. So it's possible. I do wonder, though, if, if the biggest issue here in terms of sorting out the shooting guard position is if they slide Bazemore over to shooting guard, and maybe he yeah. pay, spends 50% sure. of his time there, taking sure. away a lot of value from Corver, taking away a lot of value from Hardaway. You know, they can run Tabo Cephalosha at small forward, or maybe if they wanted to go big or something like that. Um, and, well, and, and here's something scary about Corver. He's getting 30 minutes a game last year, and to his credit, did play in 80 games, which is great, but only uh, 9.2 points a game in those 30 minutes. So he's really become, you know, he was someone well-rounded in a lot of uh, a lot of categories, and he's kind of shrinking to that one category guy right now. Sure. Uh, last thing I'll say, and we'll move on to the Hornets here, Ken, is Paul Millsap. Obviously, he was so good last year. He's so underrated, especially in fantasy. I do wonder how Dwight Howard is going to affect his stats because, yeah. That ain't going to help. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You wonder if it's just going to be a major detractor because kind of that's what Dwight Howard tends to do sometimes. He come in, he comes into situations and just disrupt, disrupts the system. He's, I, he's I still the like A-Rod. Millsap. He's, he's, He's the A-Rod of the NBA. He's the cooler. Remember how the Rangers, when they were pissed at A-Rod and shoving him out the door, they referred to him as the cooler because wherever he went, the team seemed to do worse. <laughs> I feel like Dwight Howard is the cooler of the NBA. Yeah, I, I think that could be the case. I mean, Millsap had always been a good value over the last three years. Now, you know, if he's taking 
if he's taken somewhere in the late second round to early third round, which it seems like a tra- tragedy. Horford's but a great passer. Horford was a, is a great passer, especially at your five spot, and Howard is not. So and I Horford feel like could spread the court a little more too, yep. and let Millsap yep. work while the defender still had to respect Horford from you know like an elbow jumper or something like that. Yeah, I I think you discount this whole Hawks team, frankly. Fair enough. That, that tends to what the America tends to discount them. So we probably shouldn't <laughs> spend too much time on them leading off the pod. Anyway, to another team that's really not all that exciting and hasn't been the Charlotte no. Hornets. Um, they've had a logjam at center in years past. Of course, Al Jefferson is gone. He's out of there. But what they did is they brought in Roy Hibbert, another center who's really not that's that gotta mobile. Be, that's got to be moving the season ticket needle, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure those those Roy Hibbert jerseys are in teal are just flying off the rack there in Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, it's it's an interesting move. You thought maybe by getting rid of Al Jefferson. I mean, Jefferson ended up coming off the bench at the end of last year. You thought maybe it was a changing of the guard to get to some more mobile centers, especially when you have centers such as Frank Kamitsky, like Spencer Hawes, who can really legitimately spread the court, and you have to respect them from three. Of course, they've got Cody Zeller there as well. As well, Marvin Williams, veteran Marvin Williams, probably was overdrafted back in the day, but he really has been a re- reliable NBA player over the course of his so career. Beautiful. Been- DF- I, he is one of my favorite DFS filler guys, you know, when you're like, okay, I need one more guy, somewhat cheap, basic production, take Williams. Yeah, uh, he he has kind of like a I wouldn't even say a high floor, but he's he's always sneaky reliable. Like he he somehow like fits into the top one hundred fantasy options every year. The last right. couple of years, so he's right. gonna, by saying that he's going to be holding down the starting power power forward spot, which means these guys like Kaminsky, Ha, Zeller, Hibbert, where are they going to find minutes? And how do you think this thing is going to break down, Ken? Well, I think I'm sure the Hornets, they say they're going to give Hibbert, you know, a a chance to revitalize his career. But frankly, I'm sure it's going to end just as badly as it did with the Lakers last year, who also said they were going to revitalize his career. You know, so really, to me, I like grabbing Zeller and Comiskey this year. Uh, I think there's still upside in Zeller's game um, and there's plenty of upside in Kaminsky's game. And, you know, Marvin, how old is Marvin Williams? He's got to be getting up there, right? Like when I'm Marvin's checking, 30 years old, 30 years. All right. So not quite. You can't say the aging decline will kick in. But I, I, I think the Roy Hibbert sign is actually confidence in Zeller and Comiskey, knowing those guys have a more upside. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the bench here really quick. Ramon Sessions, Jeremy Lamb and Marco Bellinelli. All just guys that can come off the bench and really just shoot and score for you. They can handle the ball a little bit if you'd like them to. I think, you know, maybe Lamb, I don't know. It's really tough. I don't think any of these are really going to have even 14-team value in terms of fantasy. But, like, if somebody like a Kemba Walker becomes hurt, Ramon Sessions immediately becomes the most valuable out of that bunch. Whereas Jeremy Lamb would only become valuable if Batum or Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, if they both get hurt again. Marco Bellinelli, I just don't see him having much value at any point this year because I I would slot Sessions and Lamb ahead of Bellinelli. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent I wouldn't touch Bellinelli with a 10 foot pole. Uh, Sessions, you know, they really relied on Jeremy Lin a lot coming off the bench, and I think Sessions will get some major minutes, which is nice if you're in deeper leagues. Overall, I think the Charlotte Hornet uh, arrow is pointing down this year. What do you think, DJ? I think they can certainly make the playoffs, but really that that doesn't matter much at all. I think they right. can be a, a five. Ooh, five, seven team! Wow. Right? Really? Yeah, five to <laughs> or five to eight. I'd be perfectly fine slotting them in as because they basically have the same team, and if they can get Kid Gilchrist healthy for the whole year, they'll True. actually even improve. But an improvement for Charlotte doesn't really, you know, it doesn't make any waves because guess what? The Cleveland Cavaliers are still in that conference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you've got it. Yeah, exactly. So let's move on to the Heat then, Ken. Uh, I think this team is going to be bad. This Miami Heat team, Dwayne <laughs> Wade, of course, yeah. was the biggest loss for them. A major shocker. Not many people thought he would ever pull the trigger and actually leave Miami. You can uh, say what you like want. halfway done with his statue? Right, exactly. I know. I think they just need to finish up like his nose or something. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Get the hair right, then put it out there. But yeah, yeah, I uh, shocked by that. It's still, I, 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 I still can't process it. But uh, you're right. Uh, this team is going to be bad. You know, when you're looking, uh, you know, when you're looking at uh, the the roster top to bottom. I'm also just confused by the signings. Like 
Dion Waiters, really? Because I thought Josh Richardson had a lot of upside. You're just going to squash that with a head case like Waiters. And then you're going to mix Waiters with uh, Whiteside, another, another guy of questionable leadership value. Like when you're going to Whiteside as your veteran leader for the team, that's just that's a problem. You know, I know Bosch. Hopefully Bosch comes back and he can lead the squad. But uh, I'm with you. I, I think this team could be awful. I really like uh, Gorgon, Gorgon Dragic this year. Only because somebody's got to shoot. It's going to be like his Phoenix days where they're like, eh, hoist up as many as you like. Because someone's got to put the ball in the basket for this bad team. Winslow still strikes me as a defense first guy. Uh, so I kind of like Dragic as my uh, underrated point guard. What are your thoughts on this bad squad? Yeah, I think Dragic could have a resurgent or resurgent year. Oh, man, it's just so bad. I, you know what's funny, Ken? I think Waiters can actually have some value in this particular system. Now, not from a field goal percentage point standpoint yeah. because you know he's just pretty bad there. Yeah, but you're right. Somebody has to shoot. It's not like Hassan Whiteside really can't create his own shot. Oh, Justice Winslow. Oh. I mean, like you said, he might be a defense first guy for his entire career. We're still waiting on him to show us that he has an offensive game. Drogic, you know, he's good. He can create his own shot, but I mean, that really hasn't been his his game necessarily. He's not like an Isaiah Thomas type of point guard. No, no. Uh, but he, you know, but I think. You know, like those mediocre Suns teams, I guess it was surprising when he returned to the Suns and they did well again. Uh, I just think the ball will be in his hands a lot more. I mean, also, remember, Luol Deng's also gone, and that's 10 shots a, a game that are also available. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's upside in waiters. Yeah, I'm scared of his field goal percentage, and I don't want that ding on my uh, rotisserie squads. But, uh, yeah, I like Dragic. And, you know, I picked up Josh Richardson in our Rotowire Keeper League real cheap for like a dollar. Then the last year, just thinking, ah, Deng's going to leave and there'll be more minutes for Richardson. Uh, you know, they got Wayne Ellington, retread. I, I don't, I, I hope he doesn't get a whole lot of minutes, but he might. Well, the guy uh, we're sleeping on here, Ken, is Tyler Johnson, who just signed a four-year uh, $50 million. A lot uh, of money in Tyler. Yeah, a lot of money. And he's somebody that, you know, if Deion Waiters just gets benched, which is highly, highly plausible. Tyler Johnson could start at shooting guard. You might see a Drogic Johnson backcourt in Miami. Uh, if that happens, then you know you're gonna you're gonna see people, you know, finding a lot of value late in drafts if you do go with Johnson. I have no reason do, to believe that Wayne Johnson Ellington was? is gonna see more minutes than Tyler Johnson would. Yeah, that's, well, that'd be a terrible move by their part. Do you see Johnson as more of a shooting guard or a point? I just always see him. I, I can't imagine they're gonna give Bino Udry too many minutes. I just think Johnson will be more helping out Dragic with the minute load. But you, you see him maybe a little – maybe sort of a two-point system? Well, I just have no faith in Dion Waiters. And so <laughs> I, I yeah. do think that Tyler needs to be – or Johnson needs to be on the ball a little more. Uh, but so yeah. does Goron. So it, it's tough. I mean they've got a lot of things to work out there. And I think a Dragic-Waiters backcourt makes sense just from a bat, you know, just like an X's and O's standpoint to start off. But yeah. in the long run, if, if Johnson and Drogic could figure out a way to go pretty small in the backcourt and work out together, I could see that being, you know, the end of the year, the backcourt for Miami, just because you just, you know, Waiters is destined to be like a sixth or seventh man off the bench who can jack up shots. The only reason he can jack up shots is because all your starters are resting and you're fine with it. <laughs> right. Unfathomable self-confidence that Waiters has. But I, I just don't like the Waiters signing because I think you've got – Young, legitimate assets in Johnson and Richardson, who you should be giving minutes to. Right. So that's shooting guard is kind of the log jam there. We'll wait to see how that plays out. Drogic holding down point guard. Small forward is going to be Justice Winslow. If he wants to average 36 minutes per game this season, he certainly can do that. Power yeah. <laughs> forward centered are, are, are pretty much squared away as long as Chris Bosch comes back. If he doesn't, Josh McRoberts and Derek Williams will fight for the starting power forward spot. But I would imagine them splitting time anyway as kind of uh, – um, you know, sweet and spicy, I guess. McRoberts can <laughs> extend the court where Williams kind of needs to play down low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, agreed, sir. So let's move on to the magic. Let's do it. This one is super interesting in, in terms of when you know you, when you think about these position battle art, position battle articles that you're writing, Ken. Like you're you're thinking toward towards the magic. I mean, this is prototypical why you're writing these articles. And that's because I think they made some dumb moves in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. In the front court, they've got Vucevic, Bismack Biombo, Sergi Baca, and let's not forget Aaron Gordon, um, who, you know, can play small forward and power forward. They even have Jeff Green. 
And I don't know why they went out and added more front court options, especially Biombo. Uh, I get why you get Ibaka, but I mean, Vucevic has been very good for you. I mean, he's been the one mm-hmm. bright spot on a team that has nothing good going for it over the last four to five years. And so I don't understand it. It seems at this point like Biombo might actually start over Vucevic. At yeah. that point, I, I don't know what to do it from a fantasy perspective. I might just yeah. have to stay away completely. Yeah, you know, you get maybe adding a Bayambo or an Abaca, but both of them, and at the price they paid for Abaca too, that just makes me cringe. And then what really scares me is, okay, you have this young developing asset in Aaron Gordon, but, you know, his one bugaboo is he just can't shoot from outside. So you're going to move him to small forward? Good Lord. You know, so on my article, I posted his shot clock, for, or I'm sorry, his shot map from last year, and it's a sea of red. It basically says, dunk the ball, you know, guard him from really about two feet in the basket. <laughs> let him take anything, anything four feet or longer, let him shoot that. Because it's just a terror. he's just a terrible shooter. And, you know, with a Peyton at the point, that's another terrible shooter. I, you're, I'm with you. I don't understand these signings. And it seems like you're destroying the value that Gordon and Vucevic uh, have by forcing both Bayumbo and Abaca on this lineup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. New coach, new system. They clearly wanted size, but I'm really confused by this. I really see a log jam. I don't think Aaron Gordon at small forward is going to work out. Frankly, it's not like they have other great options, though, at small forward. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is messy, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot of changes over the first 15 games of the season. Yeah, I love right above the chart that you have posted here on rotowire.com. In parentheses, no large red regions. And I mean, there's a lot. It's, it's hard not to take note of all the large red. The only green <laughs> I'm seeing, Ken, just to fill the listeners in, is right around the basket. He's shooting 61%, which makes sense. Pretty much everybody yeah. shoots about that high around the basket. Yeah. And then in the right corner, he's shooting 44%. And that's not even, you know, that's okay. Otherwise, I mean, he's shooting below 42% everywhere else on the court. He's even dipping down into the 24, 25% for major, major regions of the court. And so, yes, the move to small forward is going to be a tough one because nobody's going to respect him out there on the perimeter, even at the elbow. I mean, even at the elbow, he's shooting 25% and 24% at both elbows. It's, It's so bad unacceptable it is well below league averages in far too many aspects of the court you know i think he's going to turn they're going to they're either going to keep him or give up on him and he's going to become i think um somebody's high energy bench guy down the road you know i i know i know i know james anderson loves loves his wildcats but this is a shooter's league you gotta learn to shoot Right. You got so, to learn to shoot. So right now, the two young guys I'm putting in the Derek Williams category. Derek Williams, he's a fine player off the bench. He's more of a hype guy, like you said. Uh, Jabari Parker and Aaron Gordon. They haven't proven to me that they can really shoot that well. And so you're right. Spark guys off the bench. Um, Aaron Gordon is certainly trending that way. The third year in the league is always a major transit, not a transition year, but a big year uh, in terms of determining how, you know, how much value they're going to have over the course of their season. So this will be a big year for Gordon. Of course, things aren't going to get easy, easier for him because he is going to need uh-huh. to switch over to small forward. Let's keep it moving here, if Ken, and finish out the Southeast Division with the Wizards. Not really many uh-huh. position battles, I, I don't think. Uh, are you uh-huh. eyeing up any one position that... Uh, I'm pouring a little malt liquor onto the grave <laughs> of Nene Hilarios, or just Nene's, really, career at the Wizards. It was uh, it's highs and lows. It's emotional to see him move on. But... <laughs> Uh, actually, I think the Wizards were wise to uh, sign uh, Mahinmi from the Pacers to a relatively decent contract in today's crazy spending. I think that'll be a defensive upgrade. They need a little more rim protection as Gortat gets old. But, uh, you know, the big story in Washington is Wall and Beal not getting along. There aren't a lot of position battles. Just frankly, they haven't made a lot of roster moves. Uh, so the Wizards just better hope that Wall and Beal somehow settle their crazy feud. Yep, that's certainly possible. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add there at all, Ken. I think, um, they're in trouble. I, I hope Marquise Morris takes a step up. Maybe mm-hmm. he likes Washington. Maybe he gets along with his fellow teammates this time around. Right. Could, there could be some value to be had there at the end of drafts yeah. because he, he is really good at stuffing the categories or stuffing every single category. Um, yeah. So and I'm curious what, what kind of ADP Porter will auto, auto Porter will have this year. Uh, will he still fly below the radar, but we'll find out. I think he's going to be on a way too many sleeper lists. 
Right. Yep. I think sleeperless is key. Yeah. If you're looking for him to, again, to take that third year jump or fourth year jump this time around. Wow. Uh, wow, that's crazy. He's only 23 years old, though, but I last know. year he averaged 30 minutes on the court. If he's seeing that many minutes, he's going to figure things out and really help you around yep. uh, quite a few different categories like he did last year. All right, Atlantic Division. Let's do it, Ken. Celtics, Nets, Knicks, 76ers, and Raptors. Let's start with your Celtics. No, no surprise here. Log jam at power forward. Yeah, you know, obviously everyone's very excited about Al Horford. And as we said earlier, he's also a great passer. Uh, I think Brad Stevens will experiment for lineups all the way through uh, January, I'm sure, trying to find which of these power forwards plays better with Horford. You know, you might see a shift from Amir Johnson, who was desperately needed for rim protection. Horford offers some rim protection. I wouldn't be surprised if Olenek or Jarebko kind of sneak in and get some kind of more Paul Millsap type minutes alongside uh, Horford. But, uh, you know, anyone who thinks it'll be a locked in situation come game one, two or three is crazy. Stevens Stevens makes the most out of his roster by rotating a lot of guys. It'll be fun to see, you know, how he experiments and who fits in best with Howard. I'm sorry, with uh, Horford. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I I think they're trending upward, but in terms of, you know, big-name players, I'm still waiting for them to, you know, use some of those draft picks and Mm -hmm. and trade them away or something like that. So Al Horford is a step in the right direction. I do think this, you know, this franchise is trending upward, but still waiting to see a couple more additions, maybe by subtraction here. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, there's still plenty of time come February. Still a lot of those Nets assets. Uh, But certainly uh, Celtic Nation a little disappointed in the uh, Jalen Brown draft versus pulling another big deal. Great that Horford decided to make the move. Great for Boston anyway. Um, but you're right. I I don't. Th- I think things are still not settled on this roster. And frankly, I, I'm kind of shocked Nerland Noel isn't wearing a uh, a Celtic uh, jersey yet in practice because obvious log jam of bigs. We're not. We don't get to the Sixers later, but they've got the obvious log jam of bigs. And uh, I don't know. I could see Stevens really leveraging Noel's strengths while hiding his shooting deficiencies. Yeah, I don't know. One thing that the Celtics haven't done, they may have a log jam at power forward, but all those guys can really stretch the court and shoot the three or shoot along too. Mm-hmm. So I don't. that's something that Noel can't do. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, it would be nice to bring some variety there, but I just don't know. That hasn't been the Celtics' mantra so far in the Stevens era. Uh, we'll see how it goes. In terms of people coming off the bench, Marcus Smart, um, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, even Gerald Green, who do you think is going to be the first option? I'm assuming it'd be Smart. Well, they, yeah, I think so too, and they're really hoping he improves his shooting from the field, uh, which was almost un- uh, unacceptable last year. Um, you know, they really relied on Evan Turner, especially in second halves last year, to be a calming influence who could score in his own or set up other players. He played a great point forward for them. And so I, I, you know, maybe this is more of a basketball question than a fantasy question, but they're going to need some nice leadership off the bench. Smart offers it defensively, but he's really not someone that when the offense falls apart, you want making key decisions. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if anyone can be a Vinny the Microwave uh, Johnson for the Celtics bench. They're, they're going to need someone off the bench who can score. All right, let's talk about the Nets, and please, let's not spend too much time on them. <laughs> the only battle uh, position battle I have is that power forward. You've got Trevor Booker, Luis Scola, uh, young, up-and-coming Chris McCullough, uh, still young but not up-and-coming Anthony Bennett, and somebody like Justin Hamilton, who in the past – He's shown that he can give you really good per minute value um, if he somehow finds his way um, into the starting lineup or even a decent amount of minutes. I will be looking at him. But how do you think this all gets sorted out, Ken? Nice. I like your Hamilton call there. You know, I was hoping we could spend an hour talking about Trevor Booker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how it gets sorted out, but at least kudos to the Nets for realizing, you know, we can't possibly win now. Granted, they probably should have done this two years ago, but at least finally diving into uh, rebuilding mode. I don't think it ever does get uh, uh, sorted out. If, if Luis Scola is getting 20 or more minutes a game at age 36, that's a serious, serious problem. And clearly they're not, uh, they're not planning for the future. I, I'm intrigued by Chris McCullough. Uh, you know, he missed a lot of his rookie season with ACL issues. But he has that rare potential, you know, in fantasy. I just love finding a guy um, 
a, a guy who can block shots and hit threes. You know, that's why we were all gaga for Rudy Gay many, many years ago. And I think he has that outside chance. He's certainly nothing but a late round flyer. Uh, but uh, I, I'm hoping maybe midway into the season, Chris McCullough finds his own. He's going to be a sleeper. I keep an eye out for. Fair enough. All right, let's keep it moving. New York Knicks at shooting guard. We've got Courtney Lee. We've got Justin Holiday, not Drew Holiday. Uh, Sasha Vujicic, Brandon Jennings. Um, who do you see there coming out on top? I mean, I, I do think this next team is going to be pretty good this year. I mean, they, they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. Maybe a four or five seed. I even see that. But at shooting guard, it could be a turntable. Uh, accordingly, I, I should say is is the front runner. But do you see him getting challenged at any point by maybe like a Brandon Jennings? Doesn't it always seem like Courtney Lee is in this situation where he's kind of the starter? Kind of not, you know, everyone says, oh, he's quality, but it is really limited upside there. Um, I'm not crazy about these Knicks move. It strikes me as the Knicks of old where they'd go sign bigger names uh, that don't have the value anymore. But, uh, I, you know, I think Courtney Lee's going to get a ton of minutes. He's not going to be exciting, but he might be an improvement over a flalo last year. Uh, I know you and I all get in a huge bidding war over Sasha Vucevic in the Keeper League this year. We always do. <laughs> Our love for Sasha is well documented. Hey, if you can't say his name, you can't have him. It's Vujicic. <laughs> you're, one, you're right, I can't say his name. And two, I'm okay with not getting him, actually. That's deep, deep sarcasm. I know you're aware of that. Yeah. Be, hey, my, my inability to properly uh, pronounce names is well well documented on years of podcasts. But, Vujicic, uh, Vujicic, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have gone from the match. We should just avoid it. Nick so quickly. Yeah, I, I think this team is going to be pretty interesting. Not a whole lot to look for in terms of positions changing because I do think Lee will will hold that down for pretty much the whole season unless something goes horribly awry there. He, he's going to be able to be a, a good defensive presence, presence uh, especially when Derrick Rose is there. So hopefully they can hide some of Rose's deficiencies on defense. It's a, shame Brandon, it's a shame Brandon Jennings can't can't shoot from outside because frankly a, a, a lot of rose jenning minutes could work out really well jennings played some combo guard with the pistons and magic last year you know but you just can't have your shooting guard shoot that poorly i mean isn't jennings still in the high 30s or something um yeah it's ugly courtney Lee will hold down the fort with some very me- mediocre numbers Fair enough. Moving on to the 76ers, you already alluded to it, but man, talk about this is the prototypical log jam. Thank you, process. (laughs) Thank you, process. You know, and, you know, hey, I I don't blame him for drafting Ben Simmons at all, but power forward is kind of your position of strength, right? And suddenly, and you got uh, Dario's coming back this year, too. I don't know how they figure this out. I think also that they're going to have different lineups all the way through winter. They're going to have to sell Noel at a discounted rate. Because can you imagine? I mean, how pissy is that bench going to get when these guys aren't playing? When, you know, somebody's going to get stuck. Multiple guys are going to get stuck, not getting the minutes they sort of deserve. And when you look at Gerald Henderson, you're really planning on Gerald Henderson, um, you know, starting 80 games for you. Like their backcourt has been so bad for so long. And to have all these assets in the front court. And just to continue to roll out these terrible guard situation, it's just unacceptable to me. The process just makes me angry, DJ. I know. I'm looking for them to make a deal before the trade deadline. I know they're hoping that Joel Embiid will be able to make, you know, maybe they trot him out there for limited minutes and he does really good in 10 to 15 minutes bats. And then some teams thinks, you know, some team thinks they can add him on and he'll be, you know, great for 30 minutes. And that's all they'll be looking for. I mean, they have to deal one of these guys, maybe two of these guys before the Mm -hmm. trade deadline this year. It just has to happen. It has to happen. When you have Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson as your starting backcourt, doesn't that scream make a trade? I know. Well, the funny thing is, like, adding those guys on, for some reason, everybody said, oh, finally, they're ending, you know, this portion <laughs> of the process. Oh, really? Adding Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson is, is like, the denotating marker of, of when they decided to try better, try more? Right. I mean, well, give it's me a sadly, break. Sadly, it's, it is an improvement. You know, like, <laughs> they're like, they're actually, like, it is better than last year's situation, but it's still terrible. Terrible. It's bad. It's bad. Not happy about it. Uh, let's move on to the final team in the Atlantic Division. That's the Toronto Raptors front court. Ken, it's, you pointed out a few potential log jam points here uh, in the front court for Toronto. 
Yeah, um, you know, not a whole lot of change there. That everyone knew they weren't going to be able to afford to keep Iumbo. Had those fantastic playoffs. Guy knows how to make money. Kudos to him. Uh, get Jared Sullinger off the on the cheap from Boston, where he was face would have faced a logjam, and suddenly Sullinger's going to get minutes galore on a Raptor team that always seems to have been. They've been searching for a starting power forward for what, like a decade. I, I can't, you know, since Bosch left, have they had a decent power forward? Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, Sully's not exactly the best conditioned athlete. Uh, many times in Boston, I saw him, uh, you know, enjoying a burrito downtown. All right, maybe, maybe I'm, <laughs> but you know, I'm sure others did. Uh, uh, we'll see if uh, the Brazilian. Um, I'm going to butcher this name too, Lucas Najera. How do you say that, DJ? You uh, matter. I think it's Noguera, but I, Noguera. I don't know. Honestly, they call him Bebe. Bebe? I love his hair. Fantastic fro work there. Yeah, you uh, got that in your article. Yeah, it's, see it's it on the article. staple of that article. <laughs> a lot of hair observations for some very odd reason in, in a lot of the rebound of rants. But, uh, yeah, well, 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 you know, Sully, hey, he's going to get the minutes. And he actually, you know, he hits a few threes. He could, You know, he doesn't block as many shots as maybe he'd like. They love bringing Patrick uh, Patterson off the bench. Uh, I think Sully's going to – there's a picture a lot of shots of Sullinger winded, holding onto his shorts, bent over uh, all season because he's going to be exhausted. Yeah, that's kind of his trademark move. If he ever, if there's ever a statue made of him, it'll be him hold, holding his jersey and his shorts with his big butt sticking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where that statue is going to go. Maybe in the cafeteria at Ohio State, but I'm not sure. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Midwest, let's move on to the Central Division. Uh, the Bulls, Cavaliers, Pistons, Pacers, Bucks. This one should be an interesting division this year. Usually, you know, I mean, traditionally, this has been kind of more of your rivalry games. I, I, is that fair yeah, to say, yeah. Ken? Am I, I being so. am I being a little bit uh, jaded just because I live in I've lived in the Midwest my whole life? Or no, no, or? no some, some fine rivalries there, and uh, okay. you should bask in their in their glory. And in fact, I think you're going to get to see. Uh, Aren't the Bucks coming to Madison for their usual preseason game? They are coming to Madison, coming to the Cole Center, Rotowire outing like we've done uh, in years past. So we're going to have a good time there. Fantastic, fantastic. Time, um, uh, let's, I, let's I looked at Chicago first. Yeah. yeah. Nikola, is this finally the breakout season for Nikola Meritich? What do you think, DJ? Um, I mean, it's awesome that they cleared some way for him, right? Like mm-hmm. Paul Gasol is, is out of there. Uh, you've also got uh, Jakeem Noah. He's out of there. But guess yep. what? Taj Gibson has been very reliable when, when those two aforementioned guys. Right. Uh, have I know who out. Thibodeau would start. I know who Thibodeau would start. He'd right. go with Gibson. Yeah, but Gibson, uh, they really need outside shooting, right? And I can see, though, right, can you envision this Dwayne Wade sort of a Remember how Jason Kidd learned how to drain the three at the end of his career? Do you think that could happen with Wade, where he realizes he's a little less explosive, shoots a thousand shots a day, and develops a three pointer? No, you want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why? Well, he's Ken? a Marquette guy. You should know. Let me know. Last year, yeah. guess what his three point percentage was last year? Well, I know he shot a few in the playoffs that did okay, did well. But let's. Uh, oh gosh, I'm going to say thirty two. 15.9%. Oh, atrocious. Over, over 74 games, Dwayne Wade shot 15.9% from beyond the arc. Do I think he's going to add a three-pointer to his game at any point in his career? No. Hard no. No, he's 33. So I, I don't, I'm trying to throw a veteran a bone there. But, you know, I the reason I don't know that is I always just avoid Wade like the play because I just well, know he's going to be hurt throughout the well, season. You know, Kent, like nobody knows that. Like if you ask the average NBA fan – is Dwayne Wade a good three-point shooter? They'd say yes. Like people just don't understand or they don't know. It's just it's not commonly talked about because he makes up for other things in this game and, and whatnot, and he's a likable guy. But I mean, he's right. a terrible. He's not a stretch guy. He's not no, a stretch. He's That's one true. of the worst three-point shooters in the league. I mean, he is. Dwayne Wade is one of the worst three-point shooters in the league, and you just don't hear people talking about that. Um, but because of that, and because Rondo can't shoot the three, because Butler's really not that good either. You're right. You need Miritich out there. However, you know, I want to see Bobby Portis play. I want to see Bobby Portis play. Oh, I do play. too. I Gibson do too. Has been reliable, and so you you have a true a true log jam at power forward where all these guys are giving you different bits of things, but they're all giving you different you know different areas of things, and it's not you yeah. know maybe Gibson and, and Portis can be more relatable to each other and each other's skill set. Um, but Miritich truly brings something that Portis and Gibson doesn't. So I could see him being the breadwinner at power forward when it's all said and done this year. 
I think, yeah, well, they just they have to have somebody can shoot from outside somebody. And uh, he seems like their only option. And, I, you know, if you've got Lopez on the floor starting at center, you don't need Gibson's rim protection nearly as much. So I could see, you know, them using Portis and Gibson as the backup big men. Um, and you're right. I, I just really hope they give Portis some minutes. And it is a shame. I mean, Rondo's shooting, as I mock in the column, is just atrocious. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be frustrating offense i think frustrating offense indeed but i tell you what i'm going to be excited to watch it all play out this year because i you know hoiberg has that has a challenge on his hand he's got got an ego in rondo has got a, you know a veteran ego if you want to call it that and wade somebody who's been there and thinks he probably yes. knows you know how it should go down maybe he feels like he obviously does feels like yeah. a mentor to this team but again you know this is this is not the team that he played on with the heat so i it, well, and his fights with the Jimmy season. Butler are well documented too. You know, Hoiberg hasn't proven himself at the NBA level, and he wasn't getting along with his star player all season. So those are not—it's not a recipe for success. It's going to be an interesting season. I'm excited to watch it play out on the court. It could combust and you know just become flammable, or it could work out in some weird, weird way. It could happen. If they remove the three-point line, this could be a really right. good team. <laughs> the first step, first step in making it work. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, your your 2015 or 2016, I guess, NBA champions. Let's not forget that they won the championship. The Warriors no, didn't win it. No, oh, down, coming back three to one. Giving my, I lived in Cleveland for six years, and that town deserved a championship. I'm very happy for them. Really, only change of any note is Mike Dunleavy getting them on the cheap from Chicago as they made room for Wade. Uh, they haven't officially signed J.R. Smith. I think it's just a game of cat and mouse to sign him to as little money as possible, knowing nobody else is interested in Smith. Oh, what are your thoughts on Dunleavy in Cleveland? I'm a little afraid. I like him a lot. As a player, I like him. He, he adds a lot. He is 35 years old, so him and Corver yeah. are holding down the old man shooting guard spot. <laughs> Um, right. You know, my biggest concern is not only his age, but he only played 31 games last yeah, season. Injury. He's coming off, made, you know, some serious injuries. The year before that, he only played 63. And mm-hmm. so while he did provide, you know, some good value um, and a good, you know, just a reliable guy on the court for the Bulls over the last three years, I'm concerned. I tell you what, though, the Cavaliers are in a perfect position in terms of where Dunleavy is at his career because yep. he can be rested every other game as long as he's yep. healthy for the playoffs. They can make mm-hmm. it work. And what that tells me is they might be rolling out quite a bit of Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith if they get those guys back. Or Smith. Shumpert's on, on lock, but we're still waiting to right. see what J.R. Smith does. I think they'll get Smith on the cheap. And yeah, the, the, they don't. Yeah, exactly. Save Dunleavy for the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of talk about them dealing for Kyle Korver last year because um, they wanted some outside shooting. And Dunleavy can fill that role nicely if he can stay healthy. All right, the Pistons. This is a good one because talk, well, talk about a team that plays their starters and plays them all huge minutes. I don't see that changing at all. But what do you see any changes in Detroit from last year? No, I don't. The, o- the only thing I'm curious about is if Stanley Johnson is going to creep mm-hmm. in and see any more minutes than he did last year. Now, he saw 23 minutes. And I think that could be exactly about mm-hmm. what he averages this coming season, which means in terms of a fantasy pers- perspective, not going to give you a whole lot there. But I think they've got things, you know, kind of hammered down. That You know, this is a team that's trending upward. They did pretty good last year. John Lure is not going to challenge Tobias Harris for minutes. The rookie <laughs> no. Henry Ellenson, uh, he's still very, very young. He was in high school two years ago. He's not going to be challenging. I don't even think that he's going to be challenging Lure for minutes. Ellenson has some work to do as well. So you're right. In your article, you mentioned Jackson, Caldwell Pope, Morris, Harris, and Drummond are going to hold down those five spots. And not only are they going to hold them down, but they're going to see the overwhelming majority of minutes. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the Pacers then. Um, Interesting how they're kind of realizing, gee, the Paul George superstar window is pretty small here. Let's win now. And they go out and get Jeff Teague and Thad Young, one of your DFS favorites, Thad Young. Uh, are you still on the young bandwagon for DFS or the shot shrink now that he's with the Pacers? No, I, I think you're fine. Um, really? I th- he's always I, underrated because the thing is, his value doesn't always come from points. It comes from steals. It comes from blocks. It comes from rebounds and even a decent amount of assists. I mean, uh, two and three years ago, he averaged 2.3 and 2.3 assists per game, which is really good considering he's eligible at po- power forward. So, 
Uh, you're getting him at a, a good field goal percentage shooter, free throw percentage, not that great. But, I mean, if, if he only averages 16 points per game with the Pacers, he's still going to have a lot of value, and he's still going to be sure. – he averaged nine rebounds per game last year in Brooklyn. I mean, he's, he's a good all-around contributor, and, you know, in DFS, uh, I like that because steals and blocks, they count too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Fad Young plays with – Miles Turner and or Al Jefferson, though. Jefferson to the Pacers is a lot like Hibbert to the Hornets. They say they're going to try to revitalize his career. A lot of miles on those Al Jefferson legs, a whole lot of mileage. Um, You know, I I think they really are just bringing in Jefferson to motivate Miles Turner. They really want Turner to win that job in his sophomore year. They know, though, Turner's going to have to develop his offensive game a little more. But with the talented Thad Young at power forward, you know, maybe Turner can focus on the defense. And, you know, they got Mana Ellis scoring. They got Paul George scoring. How do you see the center scenario shaking out in Indiana? I, ideally, they want Turner to, to take the job and run with it. You're completely right. They'd like Jefferson to come off the bench from 20 to 24 minutes. Um, you know, I, they could say, I don't even know that Jefferson is necessarily a mentor to Turner. Maybe <laughs> no. to show him a few post moves, but... Um, <laughs> You know, this is how you camp out on the block and get right. a three second call. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you're tired, just, yeah, three Stand seconds. Stand here. In the lane. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I think everybody wants him to take it and run with it. But you know what? The problem is when you just tell a, a young guy like that, hey, it's your job to lose. Here you go. You can do it. It's not a great right. way to motivate somebody to get better because he still has a lot of steps to take. Um, yeah. Let's not forget, a lot of people passed over him in the draft. It wasn't like he was a top five draft pick. Just because he had a good breakout rookie season does not mean you know that he has a flawless game these days. So he has a lot to learn. Uh, I think they would have no problem benching him in favor of Al Jefferson to teach him a lesson, to motivate him. So, yeah, he's going to rise up draft boards. I mean, he's going to sh- absolutely skyrocket up them. At the same time, you know, beware. I, I don't see him starting all 82 games. All right, very interesting. Well, let's let's move on to your local squad. I'm going to defer to you here. Um, the Greek freaks uh, uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Greek freaks playing point guard. That is a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they seem to have increased their outside shooting, maybe. But what what are you looking for this year with uh, your local Bucks? Uh, I I'm looking and I'm hoping that Giannis is going to play point guard for the whole season. Oh, you think that might just be an experiment? I thought well, that was a given. No, it's not a given. It's not a given by any means. I mean, we're assuming because that's how they ended last year and they started to play better. But you know what? In terms of wins and losses, uh, it didn't actually change much of anything. I think they had about the same winning percentage that they did um, You know, when he was not at point guard versus being mm. at point guard. Here's the other thing. They bring in Matthew Dellavedova. They still have Michael Carter-Williams. If you're going to play Giannis at point, that doesn't give you any room to play MCW or Delhi. So at some point, you know, they may say if MCW is playing well and Delhi's playing well and they want to give those guys more minutes, the way to do it is going to be moving Giannis back to some other position, which takes away a whole lot of his fantasy upside because he's not going to be a triple-double threat anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Giannis fan, what you have to be rooting for is that Delhi and Carter W and MCW just absolutely suck this year. When they come in for limited <laughs> Which is distinctly positive. Which is, which is possible. possible. <laughs> I mean, that's why they moved Giannis to point guard in the first yeah. place. But, you know, if MCW and Delhi prove themselves viable options at point guard, that is bad news for Giannis owners. He's going to move back to small forward where he's off the ball. That's not good at all. And Mirza Toledovic, you know, is going to have quite a bit of value on this team because they desperately need another three-point shooter in addition to Chris Middleton. I think they by far were the worst three-point shooting team last year. And so they need to be in their starting five. All last year, I ranted and complained about that Greg Monroe signing. How can you go out and spend all that money when you have no outside shooters other than Middleton? And now it's an albatross. That contract's an albatross. They, I'm sure they're going to deal. I think they'll deal him for pennies on the dollar this winter. Uh, but I think you've hit the nail on the head. They desperately need outside shooting, and I'm not sure it matters what position Giannis is at if they don't have outside shooting. Yeah. The defense is there, though. They play great defense. I'm a fan of giving John Henson a run. Give 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 Henson some minutes at the, more minutes at the center. I think his, you know, he's at a 4.1 blocks per 36 minutes. Ranks fourth in the NBA. Let him give him his run. Free John Henson. 
Yeah, we need to make up some shirts. You know, Ken, we've been saying this for multiple years. This is not a new thing. Like, he's been a very good per 36-minute guy for the course of his career. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's in practice. I don't know if he just doesn't stick to the game plan, whatever strategy they have in-game. But the Bucks have not been willing to give him more minutes, although from a fantasy perspective and even maybe from like a team dynamic perspective, it makes sense to play him more. They just don't do it. So there's something there that we're not seeing as fans, as media members. But, you know, for I mean, they 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 retain Greg Monroe and refuse to give Henson a starting role. And they, you know, they start Plumlee over Henson for a reason. Obviously, we don't know what it is, but there has to be justification there probably behind the scenes. So I have Henson as kind of my undervalued uh, sleeper pick for the Bucks. Who do you see uh, with upside that might be undervalued for the Bucks? Maybe Teletovich? Uh, yeah, Teletovich. Uh, Teletovich, I think, is certainly somebody because <laughs> they desperately need the three-point shooter. Um, you know, he was really valuable last year with the Suns when he saw minutes. The problem was you didn't know when he was going to see minutes or not see minutes. He is 30 years old, but if he's averaging 26 to 30 minutes a game, I mean, he could be he could be bumping up into, you know, 3.5 three-pointers a game. I mean, it's very yeah. possible because they that's what they need him for. And they're, you're going to have to respect these players. That's the thing is that whenever the Bucks were going to get a legitimate three-point shooter, you knew that they were going to excel at some point because Giannis can drive, Middleton can drive, Jabari can drive, Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe, like, you know, he's not that great, but if you drop it down low, you still have to double-team him. You still have to guard him when he's down low. So um, and all this being said is because that's going to leave Mirza open at some point. You have to respect these guys if they do decide to drive it or dump it down low. They're going to find ways to get Toledovich open, and I think he's going to have a lot of value. And sure, he's he's penciled in as a starting small small forward, but I'm going to pencil him in as one of the better options at small forward if you're looking at that second and third tier of small forwards this okay. year. All right, very nice. And I think Delhi's going to see some time at shooting guard. I think they'll give him minutes out there just, to, again, because they need shooters. They need shooters. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, that – oh, go ahead. Oh no! I just um, I was just going to agree with you because you're you're no. completely right. So so I think next week, Ken, we'll we'll do the Western Conference, do the same thing, do the position battles. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear that choo choo train. Looking forward to doing it next week. <laughs> that sounds great. You know, I'm just realizing I did not line up a veteran quote to end the podcast. Oh, so we're no. just going to have to end with adios, amigos. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.